105 The Zone. Happy Wednesday to you. Happy hump day. So here's where we are. We are out and about uh, on this uh, Super Bowl Wednesday, looking ahead to the big game, talking Titans and a whole lot more today. Uh, We are at Moe's Barbecue, which is on Carruthers, but we are right down the way from a moment's peace salon and day spa. So we're going to be telling you all about that today. So if you want to say hello to us, jump into Moe's. Uh, but if you want to get your Valentine's Day shopping done, here's what you need to do. The lady in your life will love this unique and thoughtful gift because they've got so many. So whatever your budget is, a moment's peace, uh, salon and day spa, it, it, you can put together whatever you want. Massage, manicure, pedicure, sunless tanning, waxing, spa parties, skin care, hair salon, makeup, unique gifts, gift cards. They print the gift cards directly from their website. They'll wrap them up for you. Maybe you just want to let your uh, lady choose what she wants. Or ladies, maybe you just want to buy something for yourself. So you can wrap up the gift card, uh, or maybe you want to get robes, uh, candles, whatever it is. They can package it all up for you perfectly. Uh, They have professional advice. So if you don't know, guys, you don't know what to get, they have a gift concierge on site just to help you make the right selections to check off. All the boxes on your Valentine's Day shopping list. Everybody loves spa gifts. The woman in your life may even love a couple spa day. So how about that? Sounds like something uh, Mr. and Mrs. Blaine Bishop might enjoy right there. Couple spa day. You can get a deep tissue massage while you're there. Get your uh, your vertebrae put back in place. So call, click, or stop by again. Gift cards available 24-7 uh, instantly on the uh, website at amomentspeace.com or you can call 615 615- Two two four zero seven zero. If you've got questions or special requests, and you can always stop by for personal service in Cool Springs, again right across I sixty five from the Galleria Mall at the intersection of Carruthers Parkway and Baker's Bridge Avenue. You can uh, look for us here. I see the Zone Band just pulling up, so look for the Zone Band, and you'll find us over here on Carruthers. Couples massage. You ready? Something like that. Oh, I've never had that. Well, there you go. A moment's peace. They got you covered. Yeah, I've never had that. So I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> do Do you think that John Robinson and Mike Vrabel got a couple's massage in honor of their uh, their new contracts at a moment's Ooh. peace? You think they just went down there and did that? Ooh, man. <laughs> Ooh, I would have think they uh, maybe uh, uh, said in the steam room there. <laughs> Hit the steam room there. Yeah, yeah they did. Ain't got. To get I'll hang it out. Christian, we may need to uh, turn up the hitman. I, I'm having, I'm sitting two feet away, and I'm having a hard time That's hearing. Like was this working? It, there you it go. Doesn't, it doesn't sound like it's working. It's the actual mic. I, I don't. I think I need a new mic, or the battery's going down. Yeah, I'm, I may just interview Blaine here. We'll get things going. Uh, John Robinson, Mike Vrabel. As uh, we look at this, and news broke yesterday. Of course, Alex Apple did a fantastic job sitting in for me uh, with the hitman. And uh, as usual, the Titans always drop their news at like 258, 259. They did it once again. And uh, John Robinson, Mike Grable both extended. This is something that we had talked about during the season. We knew that it was going to happen because uh, we knew that both of those guys were probably getting into Nick. They were getting to the end of their current contract terms. So those two guys uh, signing new contracts. I saw Emily Proud, Blaine, of News 2 put this out yesterday. The sixth season before John Robinson took over as GM. The Titans went 33-63. and 63. The six seasons since John Robinson took over, 59-38, four trips to the playoffs, two division titles, all that from Emily Proud. 
then I saw this. Maybe it may have been from the NFL even or in the Titans' release, I guess is where it was. Only the Titans and the Chiefs have had a winning record for each of the past six seasons. So a lot of success for these guys. John Robinson, uh, Mike Rabel, and I had written this down just because I wanted to make sure that I mentioned this. Maybe the biggest reason that Titans fans have to be excited is the really the lady who's got the checkbook and you know pulling the strings and, and allowing them to, to do things and spend money and uh, finding the right people, Amy Adams Strong. But they do seem to have a good, really good team in place, and they're keeping them in place. Oh, no doubt about it. You had no choice, really, at this point in time. I, I think uh, Rabel and JR been together have uh, been the best things that's happened to the organization. Uh, so uh, they've definitely shown by their records and their tenure and most of their picks, uh, free agencies, uh, you know, they, they know how to run a good organization. And, you know, you look back over history over this little three-, four-year window, I don't, man, I don't know where this stacks up, but it has to be uh, at the top, I mean, <laughs> as far as performance, uh, not only uh, with the Titans, but even the Oiler history and what they have done. So uh, hats off to that. But I'm always curious when we, we never know the length or the amount. But we always know the players' amount, man. That's some, somewhere along the line, that's some hypocrisy there going on. Something. Yeah, they, it, why we don't know theirs, but we know everybody else's. <laughs> yeah, we, we've yeah, never known. No, no, nobody knows, though. Yeah. It's never been, never been released or found by anybody. Those uh, information. So maybe we, we'll be able to look at it come tax time. Because <laughs> tax time, everybody, you know, what everybody's in that's public information. So, Vrabel nine and seven missed the playoffs. Uh, nine and seven made the AFC title game. Eleven and five lost last year in the wild card round. Uh, Twelve and five this year. They got a bye, so they lost in the second round of the playoffs in the divisional round. Uh, Mike Vrabel two AFC South titles. I think that's two of the five. You guys won the Central. Uh, in the year 2000, uh, and then the Titans had won the AFC South. So if that's five titles for the Titans, Vrabel has a couple of those titles. Now, the one thing he doesn't have is a trip to the Super Bowl yet. That's the thing that eluded these guys uh, since they've gotten together. But, you know, what the Titans win five games in two years uh, before John Robinson took over. I mean, we saw some lean times, and, I was gone for some of that stuff, but I was back for some of the bad ones. You've been part of Titans Radio and pregame with Kevin Dyson for a long time. It was some pretty bleak. It was pretty bad right here. It was bleak. Well, I would say, yeah, the you know the whole Wizard Hunt, uh, you know, debacle there. That was uh, kind of interesting, and uh, you know, after that, it's kind of gradually gotten better. But I understand. You know, one thing nobody's talking about in 99, we went to the Super Bowl and we exceeded expectations. It was the next year that we didn't achieve. Uh, and it's really hard. Just that's the first time in the organization that they ever went to a Super Bowl or that or Titans. So, you know, so, you know, that tells you how hard it actually is. Eva, uh, even when you have, uh, you know, some really good players and you have the pieces in place to, to make a run at it and have a great organization, you know, run like, you know, Vrabel and Amy and, and uh, Jr. So, yeah, they, <laughs> hey, man, I, I don't know if you put all the right pieces, you get the best players at a lot of the positions. That doesn't mean you're going to win a Super Bowl. Right. And even get the opportunity to even represent. A lot of things have to go your way. And uh, I'm like most of the fans. I mean, you know, it, it, this was an opportunity. They slip away. This is a really good team that had all the pieces in place, and uh, unfortunately they just didn't get it done 
uh, you know, in the last game like they wanted. They didn't play their best. So probably would beat the Bengals, who's in the Super Bowl, you know, nine out of ten times, eight out of ten times. I mean, they just, you know, we had turnovers and, and couldn't win. So that's just how it goes. But, you know, hey, man, they, they, man, they, this resume that they're building is, is pretty special. We're seeing it. So getting a shot at the, uh, you know, Super Bowl, we shall see it. Because I think the window's closing and closing really fast. I think next year will be the last year of that, of that nucleus uh, as it exists and some of the, you know, all the elite guys. That's such an interesting point, and you've, you've said that a few times, and it's something that's coming up about how long is the window for, you know, your quarterback, for Derrick Henry, and you just referenced it again. There are those great franchises, and you look, and they don't have a downtime. They manage to string it. Now, the, the Patriots are an anomaly, making the Super Bowl every other year like they did for 20 years is unbelievable. But there are teams who seem to, to not have necessarily the two- and three- and four-year downtime you know, you think of like a Pittsburgh where they manage to always seem to keep the boat above the water and find a way to make the playoffs. I think the hard thing to do is to go as in as you can, but then not have everything just crash. Or even, you know, your Titans team where one day everybody looked around and all the guys they knew were gone. Mm-hmm. You know, the salary cap bubble burst. So to me, the hardest thing is, is knowing that this window for the current team is going to expire, but having a plan on the other side of it. Yeah, well, that's you know that's why they getting paid those big bucks. Big they bucks. got the new contract, yeah. what, whatever they are. Right, yeah. yeah, whatever that number <laughs> is, you know, and that's them planning also behind the scenes with some backup and build through the draft. And sometimes you gotta you know punch holes into the free agency and pay big bucks there. So uh, that's how you do it. I, I think the transition, from my viewpoint, uh, is pretty uh, keen on how you're supposed to build a team. And uh, Jr. definitely uh, learned from the best. So that's where Rhett and him and Vrabel have risen now. They just got to bring one home. So hopefully uh, next year they'll get an opportunity, but you just never know. Bruce Matthews played 20 years, basically, and only went to one Super Bowl. Yeah. Man, that's one of the greatest linemen of all time. One time. Well, we've talked about this guy a lot lately, uh, you know, based on a property purchase here in Williamson County. It's Aaron Rodgers and everybody. One. Yeah. He's been to one Super Bowl. Yeah. One. Russell went to two, but he, he only won one, right? If they'd handed the ball to beast mode, he'd have to ring for his yeah. hand. But they, you know, somebody outsmarted themselves on that. <laughs> yeah. So, there we have it. So we're fortunate, but yet, you know, this was a disappointing time for the season with the way it ended. And it is for everybody, but the expectations were heightened with all the pieces you thought you had enough to get at least get back to the Super Bowl. I, I thought they for sure did. Well, it's going to be really interesting. And you've told me you've played on number one teams that were number one seeds, one in Houston, then one in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, and, and this, I kept this in my notes for months because it's something that you and Dyson and me, we were doing a pregame show before the maybe even a, a preseason game. And you said, look, these guys have won nine games and nine games and nine games. The hardest part is to get to them being a team that wins 12, 13, and then makes noise in the postseason. You know, you got to take that next level, that next step, and continue to be consistent. So this team has shown they can be consistent. They can win nine games. Heck, they did it four years in a row. Last year, 11. This year, 12. Now they got to show the next thing for them to show is that they're a team that can get to the Super Bowl, that can win the Super Bowl. Well, you know, you got to (laughs) win those big games, and your your elite players have to play elite and uh, and. Come through, and they have to play. They have to be, be at their best. 
And unfortunately, it happened. Now, we all were talking about Tannehill, and that's where we're talking about the turnovers and everything else and why you didn't get there. Well, if you go back and watch Mahomes play versus the Bengals, he didn't play very well either, and they got ousted. So, you know, <laughs> think about it a second hand before you think about if the grass is green on the other side with another quarterback. Uh, I still would put him in that bottom tier of the first tier, uh, right where he needs to be, and I think he'll do enough. I just think he needs to throw more and uh, a little bit during the season so we can kind of make sure we are ready to rock and roll when you have to spread it out and throw it around the yard. Sometimes it's a strategy because they don't expect you to do it Yeah, as well. And I know as a player, I didn't like when, when teams did that. I, back then we called it the hurry up. It, they weren't hurrying up. They was just kind of casually no huddle and try to keep you in that same personnel on defense and we know how to attack and know sure. what we're going to get and how to beat it. Yeah. Well, maybe that's where Tim Kelly comes in. They hired a pass game coordinator. Maybe he'll beef up this pass game. Well, he better do something. <laughs> it's going to be a short stint. <laughs> Here's what we got going today. We are loaded up. The show is loaded again. We're just uh, down from a moment's peace salon in Day Spa. You can stop by and say hello to us. We had a little more room. So we're set up just down the way in Moe's Barbecue. But a moment's peace uh, salon in Day Spa. You want some Valentine's shopping ideas? This is real simple. You can do this. Uh, momentspeace.com slash valentine all kinds of great ideas there still got plenty of time just hit a moment's piece up they got you covered uh charlie goldsmith who covers the Bengals, will join us next we'll talk about them scott curley uh corley belmont ad there's a bunch of changes to the ncaa constitution a bunch belmont's director of athletics will talk about that with us at 145 and jordan DeJani from cbs sports with a lot of nfl headlines here on super bowl week that's all coming up today on blaine and mickey might not be games on the field, but our Titan season never ends. Like the time Taylor Lewan exclusively told the 3HL that he wants to be a Titan and thinks he will be one. I want to be a Titan, and I think I will be a Titan. I don't. There's not a whole lot of doubt in my head. How hard would it be for you to put on another uniform? So hard, I don't think I. I don't know if I would. That's how hard I think it would be. You're home for the best Titans free agency coverage, Titans NFL draft coverage, and all breaking Titans news is 104.5 The Zone. So FanDuel Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner. phone and he's got charlie on the line you can follow charlie tons unbelievably good content at charlie g underscore charlie goldsmith who joins us now charlie i don't know if you know this but you actually cover america's team i saw that 60 percent of americans are rooting for the Bengals. so congratulations it's america's team part two you cover them man that's awesome I've been thinking about it. Cincinnati very rarely gets the guy who is just nat nationally transcendent, and that's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's doing it on the national stage. It's funny because Blaine and I were talking. The Titans just signed the general manager, and they signed the coach to extensions. Now, we don't know for how much or how long, but this is really a tale of teams doing it completely different at the quarterback position. You have the Rams who were – willing to mortgage away a sizable chunk of their future to bring in a very veteran guy. And then you have the Bengals who just drafted the right guy, and here we are. They both got to the same place, just with different uh, routes getting there. 
I'll tell you what the other huge difference is for me. Uh, the Titans have one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL. But one of their big weaknesses this season was they had so little depth behind that. You know, Julio Jones was injured last season. Des Fitzpatrick had an up-and-down year. And then you had uh, th- those backup guys pressed into big roles that you certainly didn't expect. The Bengals kind of built their wide receiver room the opposite way as well, prioritizing depth. So when you have your quarterback, you need to get you a bucket down the stretch. Burrow had those great receivers to turn to, and the Titans didn't. Charlie Goldsmith, our guest here, talking Bengals on Blaine and Mickey. Well, Charlie, I guess uh, both coaches know one another, so I'm assuming uh, with Zach Taylor, uh, you know, working with McVay at some points in time here, uh, I mean, do you think that's an advantage for either side, uh, one knowing the other? Does the assistant always have an edge just in thought process? How does this work? Yeah, the the things that Sean and Zach and the Bengals coaches as well have said, it, it's kind of a push. Um, the, the one thing in the Bengals' advantage maybe could be Zach has a better idea of how guys like Jalen Ramsey get moved around the defense and has a better knowledge of the Rams' personnel uh, that the Rams don't have of the Bengals. But, but Sean McVay is fully uh, aware of Zach's coaching style, his tendencies, his priorities, just like Zach can do with Sean. What would Zach Taylor, I guess, call his his offensive style? Is it does he have a name to it or uh, or anything? So it's really the marriage of the wide zone run game and the West Coast offense. It's a very I call it multiple offense. They have two distinct packages: their eleven package and their twelve package. When it's three receivers and one tight end, it's high flying, very widespread. Uh, a passing game when they're under center 90% of the time it feels like they run the ball and use the power run game uh, Zach wants an offense that can play those two styles uh, so they can really uh, adjust their personnel to the strengths and weaknesses of the opposing defense and they don't throw in all these crazy wrinkles they don't use two running back sets five receiver sets they stick to their bread and butter they know what they major in and they're going to try to beat you that way oh yeah, no doubt. We're on with uh, Charlie uh, Goldsmith, uh, who covers uh, the Bengals for the Inquirer. I guess, you know, a couple things about Joe Burrow. If he wins or doesn't win in this game, it seems like there's more pressure on the Rams to win than the actual Bengals. That, to me, would make a big difference. But do uh, you think Joe Burrow will be in the MVP conversation next year if uh, the Bengals have the same success and, you know, even, you know, win a couple games in the playoffs? Well, to be honest, on my ballot, Joe Burrow is third in the MVP conversation this year behind Aaron Rodgers and behind Tom Brady. Burrow really snuck into that conversation late because Mm -hmm. he had such a a strong December. But the way he finished, he led the NFL in yards per attempt, and he led the NFL in completion percentage. So by that measure, he was the most explosive and the most efficient quarterback in the NFL who's getting better on a team that's continuing to progress as well. Burrow is solidly in the MVP conversation for next year, and now he'll come with that added recognition having led the team on this stage. Well, one more question of that, then. Their coaches have done a fantastic job as well. Do you think he'll win coach of the year? I would say it has to be between him and Vrabel, and I don't know if they count playoffs as just the regular season. Yeah, Vrabel was my vote in the regular season because of how he overcame so many injuries this season. Uh, But Zach certainly, you know, he entered the season with the most likely odds to get fired during the year. There was very little proof of concept for the offensive line, the run game, and the defense. That's basically your whole team. And what what Zach did was he set a vision for the type of personnel he wanted, added a group of new players that 
specifically fit the scheme he was trying to establish. And obviously all of that paired well on the field as the Bengals proved, proved themselves and made it this far. Hmm. Well, with Charlie Goldsmith, uh, who covers uh, the Bengals for the Inquirer. You know, the nuttiest thing about Burrow of all to me, Charlie, is he's played 26 regular season games and is also coming off a catastrophic knee injury. And again, he's played 26 regular season games. Exactly. The uh, the Joe Burrow way is one, he, he doesn't feel like experience matters. He looks at himself and says, I played in the high school state championship when I was a starter at Athens High School. I played in the national championship at LSU. My expectation is to be the best player on the field in the biggest stages. And so far with the expectation of last season, and he only had half a year, Burrow has mostly been right about that confidence he has in himself. Uh, he, he set a belief at a recruiting dinner in, a, in free agency in March that the Bengals could win the division that convinced recruits to sign in Cincinnati, and it kind of set the tone for the entire season as Burrow then completely lived up to all of the goals he set for himself and the team. How much does the evolution of Joe Mixon as a player factor into the success of this team? Yeah, so just two and a half years ago, the 2019 season, when Andy Dalton was the quarterback, it was an offense that their focal point was Mixon and a power run game because they didn't have the quarterback or the receiving threats at the time to beat you that way. You add Burrow and you add Higgins, Chase, and, and keep Boyd in that group as well. All of a sudden, you're throwing the ball 40 times a game. Mixon had to make a sacrifice, and he ran with that. He, he became a great pass protector, became a great pass catcher, became a three-down back for the first time in his career, and also someone who's second in the NFL in rushing, someone who made some of the biggest plays of the game with first down runs, both against the, the Titans and against the Chiefs in the last two rounds. And that, that evolution in Mixon's game, you can't underestimate that. On with Charlie Goldsmith. He covers the Bengals for the Inquirer. You can follow him on Twitter at Charlie G underscore. Tons of great content on there. Well, Charlie, uh, what matchup are you looking forward to watching the most? What individual matchups do you think you'll be watching? Well, it's no secret here. It's an obvious strength against weakness. Aaron Donald and the entire Rams pass rush against the Bengals offensive line. <laughs> the league leader in pass rush win rate win rate versus the third to worst team in the NFL in pass block win rate. So, so I'm expecting the Rams to win matchups up front. It is on Burrow's shoulders to make these incredible plays. He made two of them versus the Titans, made three of them versus the Chiefs, where he escaped a sack in a moment where he truly shouldn't have escaped a sack. That escapability and the ability to turn those opportunities into first downs, that's how you make up for, for an offensive line that's really struggling and continue to have a productive, efficient offense. Burrow has to get out under out from under uh, Donald's jaws almost, it feels like. He has to get away, and that's really the defining matchup of the game. So what's going to be the keys to, to the game uh, for the Bengals to get a win? It's play design for me. Do they have the right quick hot reads if Burrow needs to get rid of the ball? Do they have the right screens dialed up at the right moments when the Rams decide to blitz? In the red zone in particular, it's really the area the Bengals have struggled the most in. We've talked about all the field goals Evan McPherson has made, their star kicker. But, but that's part of a sign of not being productive enough when you're on that part of the field. The play design in the red zone needs to be better as well, and that's really the challenge on the Bengals against this great Rams defense. Do you think there is more pressure on uh, the Rams, or, or do you think it's pressure on both teams that doesn't matter? 
it's the Super Bowl, man. Um, you, you never know when you're going to get back here. And the Bengals are really trying to stress that message to the team that even though they're young and they feel like this is just the beginning, they had uh, their longest tenured assistant, Mark Duffner, worked in the league for three decades. They had him remind the team specifically in a team meeting that he had worked in the league for that long and never made it to a Super Bowl. There was a full appreciation of the rarity of a moment like this and the opportunity of a moment like this. And that's, that, that translates to certainly feeling pressure. I have to ask you, you know, playing against the Bengals, I never really heard them say this, but did the fans start this? And that's this who day? <laughs> we day. I mean, where did that come from and who started it? Do you know? It's one of the great debates who started at first, who day in Cincinnati or who dat in New Orleans. Right. But it's as ingrained in the Cincinnati culture as Skyline Chili graters ice cream or anything else in the city who day it's what they say it's what they do it's their catchphrase it goes back longer than anyone can remember and uh, again it's really a part of the fabric of the franchise all right i was watching the pro bowl and i've been in the pro bowl and i know things have changed but man uh, do you think they need to make some changes regardless of the viewers eventually they will go if they get as bored as i do and turn the channel <laughs> But do you have any thoughts on what they can do, even to be creative with it, if if you think they should? Yeah, you know, through the three of us right now, we're all people who obviously love football. Speaking for myself, I did not watch a second of the Pro Bowl. So, so yes, I do see a problem there. I just love to get to see more of these players' personalities, um, whether that's, you know, the skills competition, to be honest, I wish I didn't watch either, or just any other platform for them to get together on that stage would be great. Um, but but it's, it's a tough solution. You know, I've never been a big Pro Bowl guy. Well, with uh, Charlie Goldsmith, uh, covers the Bengals for the Inquirer. So in reading some of your coverage, it sounds like C.J. Uzoma was literally out running around at, at different <laughs> He's literally like thrown his knee brace in the air at one point. So I, I guess he's feeling better. Do you think he plays? And what's the overall health of this Bengals team? Yeah, Uzama is the only really major contributor who's on injury watch right now. Sprained his MCL against the Chiefs and missed the last three quarters of the game. He's listed as questionable, and then at the Bengals' pep rally on Sunday, I saw him come out with a knee brace. Then when he spoke to the crowd, rip off that knee brace, throw it 30 yards in the air, WWE style, and then sprint a lap around the field to high-five the fans. So I, I am not a doctor, but certainly that, that looks <laughs> good because the Bengals can't replace him, certainly, and that was a positive development. Do you think he had a tordoff shot <laughs> for the pep rally? <laughs> <laughs> And this is uncharted territory. These pep rallies just started this year. We're laying new groundwork here. No rules. So uh, just looking ahead at the future, uh, I, there's a quote that's going everywhere from Gronk saying, well, you know, if not Tom Brady, this Joe Burrow looks like a good guy. So uh, are you fully prepared to cover Gronk next year if they can uh, keep him going for another season? Man, talk about a mismatch in personalities. The, the bootstrapped Midwestern city of Cincinnati with Rob Gronkowski. But, man, it would be fun. It's certainly the kind of skill set they need and value in their offense. And uh, I'd be here for it personally on a football level and on just a uh, let's-see-what-happens level because certainly certainly that would be entertaining. Well, there'd be some stuff happening for sure. Charlie Goldsmith, our guest, at charlieg underscore Cincinnati Inquirer. L let me ask you this, and I'd written down this question, and uh, I, I wonder what you think because you cover the team and, and you may be somebody who doesn't believe in this, or maybe you are. Do you get a, and I'm holding up quotes, team of destiny feel from this Bengals team? I, I get it. I, I certainly feel like there is um, something 
special, something intangible that's hard to define from a group of players that genuinely like and are supporting each other, uh, from a team that, that that quality led to them bursting onto the scene more quickly than anybody expected. You know, I, I don't know whether or not I believe in destiny personally, but I think the team is, has bought into that completely, that this is their season and their opportunity, and they, they certainly have the pieces and the, the track record, the experience, and the wins to feel confident that they can be that team on Sunday. Well, Charlie, with that being said, then uh, what, what's uh, the score going to be, or what, what do you think the score is going to be, and who wins? Yep. When, when I pick a, a massive game like this, I value three things. Who is the better quarterback? Which offense is more likely to create an explosive play or two down the field? And which team is more likely to create an interception? And I think the Bengals have the edge in all three areas. I think Burrow statistically had a better regular season. Uh, he did statistically better regular season and postseason than Stafford. Uh, the Bengals have the most explosive offense in the NFL when you look at how many 40-yard and 50-yard plays they've made this season. Plus, the Bengals are a team with a deeper secondary. They can get more beneficial matchups with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And then finally, Stafford leads the league in interceptions. All of his interceptions on deep passes. And the Bengals' safety duo, as the Titans saw in the first play of the game against uh, the Bengals in the second round of the playoffs, has such good ball-tracking skills. So because I, I see those three edges in the Bengals' favor, I think they can overcome the rest. Mm, uh, 27-24 as a score. 27-24 Bengals. Wow. All right, on the, way, up. <laughs> on the way out, while uh, you know Blaine and me and all of Nashville are eating our cheese and crackers and pizza watching the game, who is a name that you say, you don't know this guy, it's not Chase, it's not Burrow, who's a Bengals player maybe that we don't know who could be a star in this game on Sunday? Uh, I really believe that Eli Apple could be a massive piece. The Bengals are probably going to play a lot of zone. And he'll probably in that zone get paired up against Odell Beckham a ton. Uh, two players with a ton of experience on the same team with the Giants. Two big personalities. Apple has had an up and down career. He's playing his best football right now. He's someone the Bengals are going to ask a lot of on the field. And he's had some really flash moments that he showed his first round pedigree. So if he plays well, then that can completely change the game plan for both teams. Charlie, great stuff, man. Uh, I checked out your Twitter last night and saw just I got rabbit hole down it. There was so much good information. So people want to follow what the Bengals are up to at Charlie G underscore for the Inquirer covering the Bengals. Charlie Goldsmith. Thank you, sir. Enjoy L.A. and enjoy the game. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Yes, sir. Charlie Goldsmith. Uh, really tons of good content. Eli Apple. Eli Apple. That was a good poll because that was going into the game. If you were watching, oh, the Titans can really pick on him. Titans can really go at that guy. And he ended up making the tip play. He did. He got him. He got him. That's all I can think of. Yeah, Luke Lucas was the one saying that, too. I, I remember you said that, too. Lucas. Lucas. Did I say that? I don't know. <laughs> about that. I, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with Charlie <laughs> saying that the Bengals have the, the advantage in the secondary because you also got to take into account the pass rush of the Rams. That's going to be maybe – Time and uh, speeding up Joe Burrow a little bit, and they they have a more talented secondary in my mind. I don't yeah. know if I agree with that part of it. Yeah, that, I completely agree. I went, I went going, you know, he's on the bingo side. I don't know how he can see their secondary, but but because he's talking about the safeties, well, the safeties aren't doing the coverage; it's the corners. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even mention them. And when Aaron Donald's breathing down your neck, I don't know if the safeties even matter. Well, oh, Titans breathed down that rascal's neck all afternoon, though, and he just kept getting up. That's a good point, like Freddie Krueger. Yeah, like every time you thought you hit him with a bus and dropped, parked the bulldozer <laughs> on his face and 
set him on fire. Didn't matter. Just got up and threw him another pass. But you always throw a little dart. You don't even know you're throwing a dart. I'm not trying to. But it happened. I saw it. It just opened up a wound. And it it just, I'm sorry. It was just scabbed up and closed <laughs> and healed. Now it's a new scab for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to put a Band-Aid on our scabs here. When we come back, there's really there's so much going on football-wise. We haven't had what? much time to talk about this. The NCAA has basically redone its constitution. Scott Corley of Belmont uh, knows what's going on with that, and he's going to join us next, yeah, the right. athletic director of the Bruins. Talk a little NCAA policy. This is fascinating stuff. You want to stick around, Blaine and Mickey. They're going to pay players. Blaine to make you 104.5 The Zone. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, Moments, Peace, Salon, and Day Spa. Gentlemen, ladies, they can uh, take care of all your Valentine needs there. Hit them up, amomentspeace.com slash Valentine. This guy joining us now, he's a great planner. I'm sure he's always done all of his Valentine's Day shopping weeks and weeks ahead. Scott Corley, the director of athletics at Belmont, joins us now. Scott, how in the world are you, man? How's it going? I'm doing all right, but uh, you, you're missing the mark with me on planning for Valentine's. That's not one of my strengths. But uh, oh man, I'm no, right there with doing you. Doing great. It's a great <laughs> time the, of year, you know. Oh, the missus isn't listening uh, when you say that, or her friends aren't. Well, just, we just reminded him. So yeah, he's ready right. to rock and roll now. He'll have it done today. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's for right. sure. She's she's been with me too long. Nothing would surprise her with that comment. <laughs> so big news coming out a couple of weeks ago and we were tied up at the end of the Titan season and different things but uh, we have so many college sports fans and we got Belmont fans and we've got uh, people who are interested in this stuff but maybe they don't even know how big it is so I know you're part of this the NCAA member schools recently ratified a new constitution so for people who say okay maybe I don't know about this how much different are things now and how big is this well, to be honest, it, this was just the first step in a two-step process, and, and the second step is really the bigger step. What this initial step was, Mickey, is it just allowed uh, to, to simplify the Constitution and really move a lot of the, uh, the rulemaking to the different divisions. So it made it easier for Division One to set rules and parameters for Division One membership, and then Division Two can do it for Division Two and Division Three for Division Three. And so, while it was historic, certainly in the nature, and it's going to simplify the governance process going forward. The bigger stuff is what's going on now with this transformation committee that's been formed, and Greg Sankey is co-chair with Julie Cromer, for, who's the AD at Ohio University. And they're tasked with now figuring out, all right, what does Division One need to look like and how are we going to govern Division One? And so, and Mickey, that's, you know, going to be a, you know, a, a couple month process. And that's what I think we all as ADs are, are looking at is, okay, what's going to come out of that and what does that look like? Sure. Sure. Scott Corley, our guest, uh, the Belmont Director of Athletics, you can follow him at ST Corley. On Twitter, hmm. man. With all that being said, what are you anticipating besides those things you touched on that you are going to touch on a little deeper, uh, maybe uh, going to the second meeting? Yeah, I, I think 
what we're what I'm focused on and a lot of ADs outside the power five are focused on is just, you know, ensuring that there's gonna continue to be access to NCA tournaments, uh, you know, and, and making sure that there's you know, those are still gonna allow um you know, fair participation in, in the in the championships and the tournaments. There's also, you know, ensuring that the revenue distributions, you know, remain fair and equitable as possible. So those types of things, Blaine, are, are certainly important to the, the vast majority of the Division One. You know, there is obvious concerns that the Power Five may want to try to change things to give them even a more uh, – competitive advantage in the sense where they've got more money to spend on additional coaches, additional scholarships, things like that. And so it's going to be an interesting time and process to, as, as those things come to light. And I, I really can't predict a whole lot, Blaine, at this point, you, you know, you can kind of let your mind go to different areas, but it's, it's really going to be, uh, you know, a lot of input from a lot of different, different places. And, you know, in Division One, you got over 350 schools. So, uh, in the Power Five, make up you know what is that? Maybe one you know 20 percent of of all of Division One. Do you think uh, we're on with Scott Corley, AD uh, for Belmont? Uh, do you think uh, Scott that the NCA will you know kind of create a, a national standard for the NIL? Well, that's a great question. I, I I don't think it's up to the NCA to do that. That's going to take obviously. Uh, congressional actions, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a pressing, uh, what I hear, it's not a pressing item uh, for folks in Washington, D.C. right now to do that. I think we all know that that would make NIL uh, easier for everyone to understand if you had a national standard, because right now so many different states have so many different rules, so it does make it very uh, challenging for our athletes to know what they can and can't do. Um, but Blaine, my sense is it's not, you know, there's not a whole lot of traction being gained in DC to make that happen, uh, anytime soon. Is there any concerns for you, uh, I guess quickly, uh, with student athletes, uh, doing NIL deals? No, no, not at all. I mean, I, I, th I think, you know, I think most of us are supportive of, of student athletes being able to to make money off of their name image likeness um you know for us it hasn't been a real huge um just you know you know wave of deals coming to our athletes i mean a lot of them are social media driven or you know things like that uh i think where it gets tricky is you know, a lot of these Power Five schools, you know, are 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 starting to get close to the line, if not cross the line, on pay for play, and and that's where I think, again, a national standard would really be helpful. Scott Corley, our guest. Do you think we eventually get to the point where there's play pay for play at some level? Yeah, you know, that's such a. It's such a hard uh, line to cross for the NCAA, and in fact, even with the new constitution, the you know a big part of that constitution is it's not pay for play. Um, so it's hard to it's hard to gauge, Mickey. I mean, there's you know there's political wins, there's there's so many different things that that go into that, um, and, and really, I think you also got to ask yourself, okay, what what would be the unintended consequences of doing that? And 
and and those are always hard to predict, right? Because they're unintended. So, um, you know, that I could. It well, let me just say it's hard to predict. I, I think that's a that's a big line for the NCA to cross. Uh, and if it does get crossed, it may have to get crossed due to legislation or you know legal reasons, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, all right. On the way out, Scott Corley, our guest. Uh, Bum Phillips once said of Earl Campbell, he may not be in a class by himself, but it sure as heck doesn't take long to call roll. Here's the roll for 20-win teams for 12 straight years. It's Kansas, Gonzaga, Oregon, and Belmont. That's some pretty good company right there, my friend. It really is. I mean, it's it's always nice to get included in, in those types of programs, and it's it's really a testament to, to what Coach Bird built uh, several years ago and what Casey's Alexander has been able to continue under his leadership. It's a, you know, it's an expectation. I mean, you know, we probably take it for granted at, at Belmont and our fans take it for granted. But when you, when you step back and you realize you're in that type of company, it, it really illustrates how lucky and blessed we are uh, to have such a, a, a program that's been so consistent in winning basketball games. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's certainly – uh, we use it in recruiting, and we understand uh, how blessed we are. And um, you know, hopefully we've got a lot more wins left in us this year, though. <laughs> Scott, hey, man, thanks as always. Uh, always good catching up with you. We'll be uh, talking to you again, I'm sure, about all this NCAA stuff and Belmont basketball uh, and other sports as well. Thanks for the time today. All right, guys, always appreciate it. Yes, yes, sir. Scott Corley, Belmont AD. All right, when we come back, we'll get you updated on all the latest headlines. Also, Jordan DeJani and our number two to talk uh, NFL headlines here on Super Bowl Week 3HL. We're live from Moe's Barbecue on Carruthers and reminding people uh, about our friends just down the way at a moment's peace, Salon and Day Spa. Remember, you can do all your Valentine's Day shopping. They're one-stop shopping. Start that search at a moment's peace.com slash valentine. 